What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi everybody, welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm UB, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina, I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike, I'm uh, the blind guy. Hello, Choose Inclusion audience. Uh, it's good to be back. I'm here as always with my favorite people on the planet, Nina and Mike. How are you, team? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm well. I'm super excited for our guest today. It's uh, uh, super humbling uh, to be uh, uh, with her today. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, this is, I agree. This is so this is really kind of our first um, kind of virtual book tour that we, you know, that we got asked to be a part of. And I think that's kind of what this is. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited that Rio Cortez, who is a writer, uh, Pushcart Prize nominated poet, and she's released a children's book um, inspired by her daughter called The ABCs of Black History that we're going to talk about today. So first of all, welcome to Choose Inclusion. Rio, how are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm good. I'm hanging in here with all this snow in, in New York. That's right. Yeah, you're in Harlem, right? Yeah, we've just been, uh, we've got one of our biggest snowstorms for the last two days and it finally let up today, which I'm thrilled about. Wow. Yeah, that's, um, we kind of miss it here. It's been a little dry here lately. We're, in, we're all in Colorado. Um, nice. we, we've had two 60 degree days, so it's kind of been quite the opposite. But I imagine it's headed our way. So, um, well, it's really excited, uh, exciting to have you on the show. What's your background? We want to hear a little bit about like where you came from and how you got to this point. Yeah, so I, well, I, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and my family's been there for a really long time. They've been there since the abolition of slavery, one of the first black families in the state of Utah. And, uh, and then I've been in New York City now for about 12 years. I ended up, I came here, I studied poetry in school, uh, which a lot of people do for the big bucks. Um, and I've sort of stayed in New York City. Uh, I live in Harlem where I, uh, I work and write. I now work for a publisher called HarperCollins, but I most recently was at the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture, which is uh, where I was working when I wrote this picture book, The ABCs of Black History. Yeah. So how did you, how did you end up getting into into writing? Because you've you're you know in addition to this children's book, you've been a contributor poetry-wise and into a lot of other anthologies too. Can you tell us a little bit about what that journey into writing looked like, how you got into it and everything like that? Yeah, um, I started writing as a, as a young person myself. So um, around the age of the audience for this book in a way, I, I wrote poems in the third grade and I think I got some early encouragement from teachers and educators and I kept going and then I chose to, to study it in school and I've ended up, yeah, writing for different collections and journals and magazines and things like that. Uh, but mostly all poetry, that's been my, my bread and butter. 
And and I, I'm curious, you know, around so uh, Amanda Gorman, the you know who was at the at Biden's inauguration, uh, Biden and um, Kamala Harris's inauguration. How has that impacted kind of the the, the poetry world that you're in? Do, do you know Amanda? Like, how is that all brought light to the creativity and the work that you all are doing? Yeah. That's a great question. I think Amanda Gorman did such a beautiful job at the inauguration that it has felt like I've, I've, I've felt just the general vibe that that folks are sort of renewing an interest or kind of like it's sort of igniting a new interest in poetry. And I think that's excellent. I think the more people who are reading and engaging with poetry, the better. And I don't think that's a big part of our 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 cultural normalcy in the United States is poetry. And I think um, it would be really amazing if it could be. So I really, I, I'm appreciative of Amanda Gorman for I think inspiring a lot of folks and especially young people to write and engage with poetry. But she and I do not know one another, but I think most poets feel excited about the prospect of a renewed interest in poetry. Uh, Rio, this is Mike. And uh, again, thank you for joining us today. I'd love to uh, dive into, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've got uh, not only a, uh, I've got a young son, but I've got uh, uh, grandchildren. And I'd, I'd love to, uh, for you to, you know, um, uh, like, what's help, help me identify, like, uh, you know, getting this particular book, your new book, and getting it in front of my grandkids. Please, please, please help me down that journey. Yeah, so this is, um, it's an ABC book, but it's a little bit meatier than your normal ABC book. So I would say it's really great for kids who are five and up, um, and even older, <laughs> I think. And it's told in a uh, rhyming verse. So it's a long poem with using the framework of the alphabet to tell the story of Black history, which is, of course, an incredibly rich and, and varied subject. And so it was really hard to sort of distill it down into a picture book. But I hope that what the book will do is sort of be a launch pad for more learning and investigation. But I tried to include people in the book that don't always get included in books about Black history or in conversations about Black history. And I thought a lot about what I didn't learn in school, which was a lot about that story. And I tried to um, I tried to make space for them in this book. So I hope, I don't know the ages of your, of your, your son or grandchildren, but I hope, um, I hope they, they, they enjoy it when they t have a chance to take a look. Well, yeah, my, my, my wife, so their grandma, so their uh, grandkids are five, six, seven, and eight. So, and then uh, my youngest son is actually 12. So yeah, we have, a, we have a varied family, but uh, we, she actually ordered the book. So we're, we're excited to actually uh, share it with, uh, with them all when we get it. So. Oh, yay. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. I hope that's a great, a lot of those ages are, I think, really good for this type of, uh, this type of book. So. And it's such a it's such a beautifully illustrated book. I think one of the things I really enjoyed about reading it, I actually got to read the e the e version of it, um, which is you know a detriment. I, I need to buy my own co hard copy version now as well to give to to my niece and nephew who are three and four. But that's like the perfect age to get them oh, yeah. get the stuff in their house so they see it there. So when they're ready, they're there to like just consume it <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly. and absorb it. But I mean. Um, 
I guess one of the questions I had for you is, you know, the the narrative, we, we actually interviewed two 12-year-old Black girls on our podcast several months ago. And one of the things that they were talking to us about was kind of like the white colonialist narrative that is taught in our public schools about, about history, including, you know, Black history. I mean, how, how did you approach this, you know, knowing kind of what's being taught in the public education system right now about Black history? Yeah, I mean, I think I tried, so you mentioned the illustrator and I think something she tries to do in her illustrations and I tried to do in terms of who I chose to include was sort of demonstrate the broad spectrum of blackness. I think what we get in public schools, and it's been a while since I was in school, but what I got in public schools anyway, uh, was a really sometimes monolithic vision of what blackness is. You know, you get a single story or you kind of get the story of some, some key players like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. And I think what Lauren did in the illustrations was try to, to illustrate a, a real spectrum of blackness from hair texture, hair color, skin tone, these types of things that I think are really important for children to see. And what I tried to do is include, I think, I'm, you know, things like queer figures in black history that I was missing from a lot of how I learned black history or um, people in black history who were perhaps um, from places like the West Indies or the Caribbean. And so that's kind of how I tried, how I think me and Lauren tried to approach what's not being said in the public school system. Well, in your history, like I, I'm you know, going back to your introduction and talking about your family in, in Utah like, is, I mean, that, that's, I'm just so curious about that. And, and how has that influenced what you're doing today? Yeah, uh, well, I think I thought a lot about, because <laughs> I was the only black child in a lot of circumstances growing up. Um, and I think it made me think a lot about where I came from and ask that question. And so I think that was an early, um, an early catalyst for my wanting to learn more about black history. I think I was so curious about why there weren't other black children around me for the most part and, and what circumstances led black people to living in the state of Utah at all. And so I think that was probably some of the, the reason I started to get interested in black history. And then I've had the opportunity to study at a lot of institutions where, uh, where I got to learn a lot more and dig a lot deeper. But, but yeah, I think growing up in Utah made me initially really curious about the story of black Americans and why they lived in the place that they lived and did what they did. So. I, so I, uh, I, I know we didn't script this beforehand, but I, I would love to, if there are some uh, verses or a short poem that you have memorized, I'd, I'd love to hear some of your poetry. Would you, could you honor us with, uh, with some, uh, some lines and or a, a poem if it's, uh, if it's not too long? Um, I could, <laughs> I could definitely, let's see, I wonder, I, I could read a couple of pages from the children's book. That sounds good. That sounds love wonderful. it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say, like, we, this is our first, uh, you know, author and a book tour. And I'm like, is it appropriate to ask her to read some lines <laughs> from her book? Because I think our audience would love that. But I don't know if that's the right thing to do. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm happy to. I'll read, um, I'll read the letter. B, which 
in the book is for a lot of different things. So it, it goes, B is for beautiful. I'm talking to you, your voice, your height, your hair, your hue. B is for brave, for bright, and for bold. For those who stood up, even when they were told to step back, stand down, remember their place. B is for brotherhood, for believing in grace. So. Well, that's beautiful. Hey, uh, yeah. for the purposes of accessibility, Rio, do you mind describing the illustrations that are on those pages? Sure, yeah. So for the letter B, it is Lauren has drawn, it's like a group of awesome looking young people with all different eye color, hair color, skin color, shirts, glasses, accessories, things like that. And some of them have their fists raised and some of them have are holding up peace signs. That, Love it. Yeah, I don't know if that's the, but that's an example of kind of how the rhyming verse works in the book throughout, but there are all kinds of uh, subjects and things like that. Uh, no, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I really do. Uh, we uh, obviously in the blindness community there, uh, I, I love the kids books that uh, uh, they're, they're also kind of co-done in, with uh, tactile. So they're kind of, uh, you know, a, uh, an approach not only written in braille and print, but also they have the, the, the pictures that are done tactically too for, you know, my community specifically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So thank you for that. Uh, and uh, yeah, as you become uh um, more well-known and everything, I, uh, you know, hopefully, because uh, I have no idea how much additional cost that goes into, uh, you know, books and all that kind of stuff, but obviously a huge fan of that, but thank you, Nina, for having her do that. Well, thank you, Rio, for doing that. <laughs> uh, of course. No, I think that it's really smart. I should start doing that at all readings, probably. Well, can, can you also talk a little bit about your work at HarperCollins? Like, what is what's your focus, you know, what's your focus there? Like, who are you looking for in terms of new talent? Yeah, well, I actually work on the sales and marketing side at HarperCollins, and I work with um, BIPOC books and initiatives and accounts. So that's Black, Indigenous, people of color. Um, And so I don't, I'm not in, I'm not acquiring there as an editor, but, um, but once acquired, I am working with how to position books by authors of color, essentially at HarperCollins and helping to sort of strengthen our Black-owned bookstore community and different initiatives like that. So that's that's a little bit about the work I do with them. It's been great. I haven't been there so long, just uh, since October, but it's been really lovely. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that, you know, it, it's, it's so critical. And then, you know, one thing we've really been focused on since the murder of George Floyd was was how do we use our platform that we're lucky enough to have to amplify these different in particular black voices right now you know to you know really do what you're trying to do um, for for children which is how do we learn the stuff that none of us ever really learned and I think Mm, that's so important and and you know it has we have to start there because the fighting that we're seeing and and you know i think all this this back and forth is just it's based on a lack of knowledge of what this particular community has gone through in our country since its inception and so mm-hmm. how do we how do we do that and i you know i think that's it was just so exciting 
you know, your book does, I mean, I want to read the book, right? Like <laughs> as an adult, right? I think every adult should, should read your children's book. It's, it's a lesson and it's, you know, it's laid out perfectly to learn this stuff. Oh yeah. Thank you. I hope so. I know my mother read, read it and um, she's a grown adult black woman and she had, she told me she learned a lot of new names that she hadn't before and her and her friends have been you know, watching films and looking at art and things like that. And so I appreciate you saying that. I do think um, there's a lot that we haven't learned in general as adults or kids about Black history. Oh, somebody's at the door. <laughs> was that, I don't know where that was. That's, I always love, I love, I love recording, even though it's not necessarily going to be live, but we're keeping that in. Uh, Mike, <laughs> do you have something? That was, yeah, that was not, that was not my house. So. <laughs> it, was actually, yeah. it was my house. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh gosh, no worries. Yeah. All good. All good. It's all good. Absolutely. No, I, uh, I, I really am uh, thrilled. I, I, I'd like to follow up more on the kind of the BIPOC initiative with, because I know that's been, uh, we've had a couple of guests on that have talked about uh, the unfortunate statistics of BIPOC uh, authors um, out there. So uh, I'm thrilled to hear a, a brand uh, like Harper doing their role in this space. And do you feel like it was, uh, this is, you know, because of the, call it the George Floyd, you know, um, do you think it was precipitated by that? Uh, I think that's a great question. And short answer is in some ways, yes. You know, I think some of the silver lining that came from the summer's unrest and the rise of Black Lives Matter movement, or, the, or at least its amplification, was that some companies and corporations started to sort of re take a second look at ways that they could sort of support and be anti-racist, actively anti-racist. And publishing community was, I think, one of these sectors that did take a look at themselves and say, like, well, where can we improve and where are there places where we could, we could um, be more anti-racist and more inclusive. And so, yeah, I, I think this position is newly created. Um, and I've, I've known, I know of a lot of colleagues who are in newly created positions that are around sort of these same initiatives. And I think it very much has to do with this last year, 2020, and the things that it brought forward in terms of uh, race in America, for sure. And I, I agree the silver lining for that, uh, unfortunately, uh, way, way, way too long in the making for any of that. But uh, I, I go back to, so it's to being intentional with it. And that's why we are the name choose inclusion. Like you just like, it's, it's, you make a conscious choice. you be intentional with your decisions. you be intentional about where you spend your money. you be intentional where you're looking for talent. Like, it's just like, there's no rocket surgery to any of this. It's, it's literally like, it's one thing to have talk, but uh, your, your, your wallet and uh, your payroll, that's, uh, that's what makes uh, differences. So uh, thrilled to hear that um, and, and thrilled to get to know you. So looking forward to the book coming in and uh, my wife reading it to not only my grandkids, but myself. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think exactly right. That's why I try to support indie, indie bookstores where I can and um, different things like that. I think it really does make a huge difference. 
Love it. Well, Rio, yeah, thank you so much. This was such an honor. Um, you know, we'll post a link for sure when we release the episode um, to, to the book. And uh, yeah, just just good luck with everything. And again, thank you for, for trusting us with, you know, with your voice. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You guys have been such generous hosts. It's been oh, and Rio, where can people go to get your book? Oh, Great question. Um, it's, <laughs> it's sold everywhere books are sold. Um, but if you if you all are in Denver, I'm doing an event with Tattered Cover tomorrow. So I know Tattered Cover has copies too. Ooh, that's a great Love Tattered one. Cover. Yes. That's awesome. Awesome. That's a great one. Cool. Well, cool. Thank you well, so much, Rio. You. Yeah, thank you. And thank yeah, you, Inclusion audience. Thank you, everybody. Mike and Nina, as always. Um, Check it out, ChooseInclusion.com and lots of streaming services. So uh, thank you very, very much. Talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, ChooseInclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at ChooseInclusion.